You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> oh boy, thank you. Thank you. No, no, no. No. <coughs> oh man. Wow. Maybe maybe I should go away more often. <laughs> Thank you for that. I really, I really appreciate that. I don't just appreciate it. I felt that, and I feel the love and uh, and uh, the graciousness from you all. And I just, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. Um, ah, the rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. Either that or you rose again. Yeah, or that or I rose again. Yeah, and I did. The beard, isn't that great? It is. I found Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It is so good to be back. Just walking in this morning, getting to hug on you guys and see your beautiful faces has just really once again solidified that this is what God has put in front of us to give our life to, and we are so thankful to you all. And um, looking forward to moving into the future with just wonderful, wonderful things I know that God has for us. Um, for those of you who don't know, I have been gone for a month. Um, uh, I'm very, very thankful to the elders, to the staff, to allow me time to get away. Um, it was a life-changing experience for me. <coughs> so let me, I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. There's a few things I want to talk about, but... Um, let me just say this, to dispel any kind of rumors or, or anything that was happening. I never once considered leaving this church. That was never a consideration. Um, what I have desired, um, God, that's not fair. (laughs) 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 One of the things in this process of uh, just getting some time away and really um, allowing Holy Spirit to work down in the core um, was recognizing, God, I need to cry more. I need to feel more. I just don't want it to happen right now. (laughs) 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 Makes it very hard to talk. Um. One of the things that I've had in my life, a desire of mine, my entire life, was for, is for real intimacy, transparency, vulnerability, um, desire to be safe, um, desire to be with people. Um, I'm an extrovert by nature. I get energized by being around people. Anybody else like that? Yeah. You like that? Um, and so... As a result, it is part of the core of who we are as a church. It can't help but not be that, because whatever 
God has called us to and whatever's inside of me, inside of my wife and my family will naturally be a part of the value system of the church. It doesn't mean that we always get to that. Um, what I'm trying to say here is this. Um, I feel very vulnerable right now. And in a lot of church situations, um, it may not be a good thing in certain church structures for the pastor to talk when they're very vulnerable. But it's part of our core DNA. It's part of who we are. And I want to be that way because I don't want a church that plays games. I don't want to be a church that puts on faces, comes in, acts a certain way, tries to present well, and then ultimately we end up in a performance mindset. I can't think of anything more life-sucking than to be a part of a group of people that want to perform together, that want to just perform and put on, and pretend that we're well, pretend that we're you know, we've got it together, that we've got revelation from God, that we've got understanding. I don't want to live like that. So this may be a little different. Um, mm, God help me. I, I know deep down inside that God has called us to do something as a family. He's put uh, a grace on my life to do something that hasn't been seen before. And I don't say that from an arrogant bravado standpoint. I please hope you hear me in this. There's a transformation that I'm after in the church. Yeah. I want to know what salvation is. Not here. I want to know who the healer is. Not here. Here. I want to know what it means to be redeemed. Not here. Here. I know you're okay with this, but I still feel like I want to say I'm sorry. I don't mean to make things uncomfortable. That's not the point. It's not, drama is not in my blood. That's not what I'm after. So this may happen. Um, wow, I didn't know it was going to happen like this. <laughs> this may happen. It, um, my time away with Holy Spirit, you're going to keep hearing about it for some time to come. But it was one of those revolutionary Can we just say this? God, I trust you. Can you say it? Now, I want you to say it again. But this time, I don't want you to say it as a mental ascent. I don't want you to say it as something that we just do in the church, that we just say these things, God, I trust you. I want you to say it, but I don't want you to say it from your head. I want you to say it from your heart. Say it. God, I trust you. Can you feel the vulnerability in that? Okay. 
Church, we're designed to live here. We're designed to live in a very high level of vulnerability with each other, which what that means is we're going to get hurt. We're designed to live with our chest open before the Lord, trusting him, and with certain people trusting people that way too. So I'm saying all that to say that where we're going here in the next few weeks, maybe in the next few months, um, is going to require a lot of that. Because if we really are going to see transformation in the church where we become the bride of Christ that is intended to look more like the head, the body looking more like the head, the bride looking more like the bridegroom, if we're going to truly live like that, it's going to require a level of trust that I don't know that we've ever gotten to in the church. I don't know that we've been there. I've seen it in little pieces and places, but I want to see it in a group of people. Because it's fantastic. It's wonderful. So freeing. So take your Bibles this morning. Turn to Luke chapter 1. And I am, have never been very good with doing themed messages when we get to certain seasons. But I'm going to give it a Give it a shot. <laughs> and Merry Christmas to you all. Merry and before I go any further, I need to take a moment and just thank, truly thank, Andy and Danielle and David for stepping up to the plate this last month. Aren't they fantastic? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> And just as important, maybe even more importantly, is my wife, Jocelyn. Come on, you can do better than that. Stand up. this place would not exist without her. This is not a one-man operation here. And I don't mean that just because of team. I just know that um, because of her and her influence in my life, we would not be here without her. So thank you, dear. Okay. I'm going to keep interjecting things as we go here. Um, but more than anything else, I don't want to just deliver a message this morning. I really, really do want us to learn from what we're going to read about this morning. I want to talk about treasuring and pondering this morning. Treasuring and pondering. And how does that relate to what I just talked about? If we don't learn to treasure and ponder, we will live a life of performance. We'll live a life of performance in front of people because we... We want the next best thing. We want the next biggest thing that's down the pike. We want, we want another revelation even from God. We want another word from God. And you know how we are around here. We're crazy charismatics around here. We like the prophetic. We enjoy it. I encourage it. We live with it, and it's a wonderful thing. And I don't want to discourage that, but at the same time, I want us to start to change maybe our perspective a little bit on what it means 
to have a word from the Lord. There is a necessity for us as believers to learn to treasure and to ponder what God speaks to us with. Have you ever been in a situation, whether it be in a meeting like this, a Sunday morning, a separate meeting, maybe somebody, a friend, somebody comes and gives you a word and it, it does something inside of you? Have you ever felt that before? It's real easy for us to take those kinds of words, those things that have been spoken, and find the excitement in it and the encouragement. And all those things are good and they're valid and we need them. We need to hold on to them. But oftentimes we can start taking those words and putting them in a place where we're not pondering them, where we're not treasuring them anymore. And it's in that pondering and in that treasuring that we start to discern what is the heart of God behind the word, not just the word itself. But there's God's heart behind it. There's something he's speaking to us. So we're going to look at it a little bit through the story of Mary. So you've got your Bibles. You turn to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read a few passages, and I'm going to jump around a little bit. So try to stay with me here if you can. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 28. Hmm. You know, I am amazed at how easy we can forget that God became a man. That's powerful. Sorry, I'm just throwing in a parenthetical reference here. Is that okay? God became a man. That is mind-blowing. He gives up his place his divine prerogative, his position, his glory. He gives up all of that to become a man. That is profound. And we think we give up a lot if we choose to follow him. I mean, let's put this in perspective for a moment. God leaves transcendent time, space, Sets it all aside. His divine prerogative to be absolutely everything. He sets it all aside to come be us. To come be flesh and blood. I don't think we have much to complain about if we give up everything that we have to follow him. Because of that. I'm saying that just because I want to keep the perspective again. This is, this is not just a Christmas story here. This is not just, oh, wow, we've heard this. This is so great. Thanks for the reminder that we're, we're talking about the advent of Jesus again. Thanks for the reminder. We need more than that. We need a deep repentance. We need a change in the way we think about who God is. The fact that he became man and fully man, it's mind-boggling. If you think that Jesus became a man, but yet somehow was a special kind of man that had more than what we have, you're mistaken. He set aside his entire ability to know what God was doing. Think about it. Part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead, knowing what God is thinking without even having to ask him. Holy Spirit, Jesus, God the Father, all working in such unity that they just can just look at each other, be completely satisfied with themselves and with the other. There's no hierarchy. There's no fighting. There's no... It's just complete satisfaction with who they are. And he says, you know what? I'm going to give all that stuff up. I'm going to give up the ability to know what you're thinking in any given moment, God, Daddy. I'm going to give up that ability. I'm going to give up the ability, hear me, 
I'm going to give up the ability to enforce creative power. He gave it all up. But didn't he do miracles, Andrew? Of course he did. But he said, I only do what the Father is telling me. One of my favorite examples in Scripture, and you've heard me talk about this before, is remember when Jesus was surrounded by a whole throng of people. He's moving with this crowd. They're all pressed in around him. Disciples, people following him. And this woman who had the issue of blood reached out and touched his garment. And he said, this is one of the most revealing places in Scripture of the humanity of Jesus. She reaches out, touches him, and Jesus says, who touched me? I just felt power leave me. I just felt it leave my body. Now that's, he's really asking the question, who touched me? Are you kidding me? God is saying who touched me? Yeah, because he didn't know. He didn't know. He was fully man. He was on a mission. He was going somewhere where God had told him to go. God was speaking to him and saying, I need you to do this. Why was he doing that? To model for us what it looks like for us in our humanity to live with a constant awareness and a pondering, a treasuring of what God has spoken to us. Is this connecting at all? Are you with me? He didn't know who touched him. That's why he asked the question. He's man listening to God. Yes, he's a man without sin, different in that respect. Born of a virgin Mary, we're going to see that here. But he's still man. I'm hoping this gives you hope this morning. He was fully man. Here we are, Luke chapter 1, verse 28. I'm done with the parenthetical reference. Let's read together here. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Come on. Come on, don't let this just be words here. Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. In Matthew's account of Jesus, he starts with a whole genealogy, because he's a good Jew, and that's important. So he starts with the entire genealogy leading all the way up to the person of Jesus. And when it comes to Jesus, in Matthew chapter 1, he says, he is called, he will be called Emmanuel. God with us. Here's Luke's version. He's not a Jew. He's a Gentile. He's got a little different perspective, but he's, here's him giving his account, the angel coming to Mary and saying, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is Emmanuel. He's with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, Considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. I mean, come on. What kind of message is this? Here's Mary. Now, we don't know this because we don't see it in Scripture. But this is profound. She's starting at least at some level to make connections, being a good Jew herself, making connections on 
wait a minute, this whole prophetic thing about the Messiah, are you telling me that I'm going to be a part of this thing? You're telling me I'm going to be, what? Are you kidding me? I mean, we read this story from where we are looking back at history. It becomes so normal to us that we forget the impact of what was happening in the moment. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I don't know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who was born will be called the Son of God. Verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Everybody say that with me. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Nothing. Verse 38, then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. This is important here. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Favor is a very important thing when we look at this in this passage here. Favor is a very important thing. God is with you, highly favored one. Favor is a very, very important thing. I mean, we have it as part of our core who we are here. I mean, all the declarations, all of that comes from a place of recognizing that we're favored, right? I like the way Dave said it this morning. The deck has been stacked for us to win. It's totally set up for us to win. But favor is unique. Favor is a really interesting thing because God loves everyone, right? right. Is everybody still with me? God loves everyone, but p- certain people have more favor than other people. Favor has increments to it. And I know this because even of Jesus says he grew in favor with both God and man. So favor is a unique thing. That's not like a broad brushstroke that everybody just gets favor. We grow in it. But this is an interesting thing about favor. Here, Mary gets called highly favored one. But anytime I see that happening where somebody gains favor with God or grows in favor with God, trouble comes. You ever thought about that? Yeah. We think, oh, I want to be so favored by God. I want to be favored like Mary. I want to be favored like Jesus. Well, come on, man, trouble's coming with it. Think about this for a moment. Here is a young woman, probably a teenager, having the angel of the Lord come say, you're the favored one, you're the highly favored one, and Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, going to overshadow you, and you are going to be pregnant, and you're going to carry Jesus. I don't know about you and me. Favor? Challenge immediately follows. Think about it. In this culture, a pregnant woman, teenage pregnant woman who's betrothed but not married yet, all of a sudden becomes pregnant. It's become normal in our culture. We don't think much of it. You still with me? Favor is always going to have challenge. It comes with it. It's always going to cause us problems. I want you to think for a moment where God has put any kind of favor on your life. It could be anything. Don't, don't super spiritualize it here. You may have the ability to make money. You may have a different kind of ability. I don't know. I, it could be anything. But think about it. God may give you a place of favor in your life. I think it's something that we need to embrace, not apologize for. Hello? 
You with me? Don't apologize for it. If you have favor in a certain area. I have favor on my life. I have, I have lots of favor on my life. I have favor on my life. I want to be specific. I have favor on my, my, on my life to be able to hear God in such a way and communicate it. That's favor. Communicate it in such a way that it causes us to maybe think a little different about it. That's just favor on my life. I'm not trying to pump my own tires here. Are you with me? It's just favor. There's a favor on my life. But there also comes a challenge with that as well. But what I want us to really glean from what we're hearing here, what we're reading here about Mary, is that when favor comes on our life, challenge may come with it. But we don't need to apologize for that. Part of this whole month that I've been gone, I've been looking at a lot of this stuff, and I'm going, man, I have, for a large part of my ministry life, looked at my own life and gone, God, I just don't want to be the man. I don't want to be seen as the man. I don't want to be seen as the guy that's, you know, I hate that. I just really do hate that. And I feel the Lord even speaking to me in this process saying, Andrew, that is not your responsibility to be concerned about what somebody thinks of you. Now, we can say that when things are negative, right? We would encourage somebody, if somebody says something negative to an individual, you could say to that individual, listen, you don't need to be worried about what they think. It's an entirely different thing to say, if they're putting you on a pedestal, you don't need to worry about what they think. Are you with me? It goes both ways. So for me, part of this process where I am in this place of vulnerability of just saying, God, I want to understand what it is that you're saying. I want to understand what it is that you're doing is to be able to take the favor and say, it is what that is. And it may have challenges that come with it, but I need to be okay with this. You still tracking with me this morning? Not too long ago, I spoke with an individual who has a very good business mind, and they felt bad about it because they had made a lot of money. And they had said, I really feel bad about this sometimes. I'm like, why? This is a God gift. That's favor on your life. You have a God-given ability, favor on your life to be able to think about things and orchestrate and put things together in such a way that it just, it reaps a huge harvest for you. Don't feel bad about that. Feel great about that. That's wonderful. Start asking God what it's about. That's what's more important. What's it for? What's this for? What's this about, God? Let's move on here. Verse 34. I'm sorry. Did I read that already? Yes, I already read that. Move on to Luke chapter 2. Sorry, I had a few things here and I'm getting a little confused. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord, here he is again, stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Don't you want to know what the angel of the Lord really looks like? I mean, come on, every time this dude shows up, people freak out. I mean, you know they're freaking out because he says every time, don't be afraid. It doesn't say they're freaking out, but you know they are, because he has to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Now, every Christmas we come to this, but I like to do this. I like to remind us. That passage of Scripture is critical. That's not just detail that is given to us to let us know what happened. You will find the babe in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, we like swaddling clothes because that's the Christmas story, but do we know what swaddles are? Swaddles were little strips of cloth that were used specifically to bind up dead people. It's all prophetic. It's all a picture of why this child was born. He was born to die. Why was he in a manger? It's a feeding trough. I'm the bread of life. Born into a city called Bethlehem, meaning house of bread. It all means something. Verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. And by the way, when we see heavenly hosts here, we need to understand that host are, is a military term. That's a military term. When, he, when they see a multitude of heavenly hosts, it's like the army angels of God standing there praising him. Come on, is that powerful? Why? He's a warrior. He's a warrior king. A warrior king that comes in and defeats with peace. Come on. He defeats with peace. Come on. Is this good? Think about what your challenges are that you're facing in your life. You will not find solutions. You will not find resolution. You will not find reconciliation in your life by trying to fight. You'll find it with peace. Doesn't it say of Jesus in Romans chapter 16 that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet? It's not the God of war. It's a completely different kind of army. So when we see the host of heaven beginning to praise God, it's the entire army of heaven that won the battle through peace. That's why Isaiah 9 calls him Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Come on, I'm hoping this is changing your perspective. I really want to see... I want to see this. I don't know if I could do this. If you could take my heart, take my eyes just for a moment and recognize that every battle you face in your life will not be won by your own attempts. The minute you step in and try to enforce your own will, you have now said to Jesus, step aside, I'll take care of it. If I enforce my own will, Holy Spirit is a gentleman, right? Right? He'll stand there and go, okay, (laughs) really don't want to see you do this. You're just going to wear yourself out. You can't win like that. You win with the presence of the Prince of Peace. I'm discovering something. That it really is unfortunate for us, especially as believers in Jesus, that we visit the soul an awful lot and we don't see Jesus. What are you talking about, Andrew? I don't visit my soul. Yeah, you do. We all do it. It's all what we think about. It's all what we worry about. It's all the internal things in our life where we think, oh man, I should have done this. Oh God, this, this happened in my life. Oh man, I wish I would have done that different. Or oh, I wish I was this kind of person. You hear what I'm saying? That's visiting the soul all the time. But we do it all the time as believers and we don't know that Jesus is standing right there. 
It really should be illegal for us as Christians to do that. Well, I don't need to visit my soul without him. That's a really dangerous place to be. Oh, you guys tracking with me? I'm talking about the places we live that propel us in life, the soul being the core of who we are. There are things that we live from that sometimes we don't even know we're living from them. We don't even know why we think the way we think, but we think that way. Living from the soul and not recognizing that Jesus is right there. Because didn't he say he is Emmanuel, God with us? I like what Bobby was saying this morning. Man, there is no separation. There is no separation. If you hang around here long enough, you're going to hear us say that over and over again. There is no separation. He has brought you so fantastically, so marvelously into him. Ponder that for a moment. Any bit of separation we feel has to do with what's going on between our ears here. It has nothing to do with the reality of where we are. We are so completely connected to him. Oh, mercy. So suddenly there were, with the angels, the armies of heaven. Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Do you see what's happening here? Jesus tells us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? On earth as it is. What is he saying? He's saying at the advent of Jesus, all the armies of God that win by peace are standing there shouting and saying that that very thing that I told you to pray about, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, is happening because of the manifest presence of God showing up in humanity. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill towards men. What is he doing? He's saying it's all starting right now. And all of the armies of heaven are saying this thing's going to be won by this baby right here. Come on, that's good news, isn't it? What does this mean for us? We all need to have a word that's impossible in our lives. We need, all need to have a word that is absolutely ridiculous. Does anybody have one like that? I'm starting to not hide from mine. I know what I'm called to. I know what God is speaking to me, but I'm seeing it a little different. It's not about, okay, just suck it up, Andrew, go for it. No, I'm talking about living as a broken individual that demands that I draw on the word of God, that demands that I draw on this absolute presence of God in my life, not thinking for a moment that I'm going to be able to do it in my own gifting, my own talent. I have giftings. I have talents. You have them too. They're wonderful. Don't ever run from those things. As God, 1 Peter 4.10, as God has given to each one a gift, let us minister. Let us speak. As the very oracles of God, you speak, you do what God has graced and gifted you with, but at the same time recognize that, man, we are very broken people on the inside. And the minute that I try to step away from that right there, that I lose, I, I say to him, take a back seat. I'll take it from here. Heard someone say to me recently, they were talking to God, and saying, God, you know, where you've put me in life right now, it's really, really difficult. You've, you've asked me to be a minister. You've asked me to be hospitable. And the whole hospitable thing, I've got that down, God. I can do that. But this ministering to people, this is very, very difficult. And then they went on to tell me that they heard Holy Spirit right in that moment and say, you know that hospitable thing that you think you're good at? That's me too. Don't think for a minute that's all you. That's me too. 
You've just understood that one a little bit more. You know what that looks like to let that flow. Is that making sense? There is no such thing as having a life where we say, I can do certain parts of this, and then the rest of it, God, I need your help. It's absolutely saying, God, I need your help in every part of this thing. I need your help to love people. Come on, some people are more loving than others, right? We spend our time comparing ourselves to other people around to say, oh, they're really good at loving. Well, you know what? That's still God inside of them. They just may have understood that part a little bit better. We all need a word inside of us. We all need God to speak to us and say, this is ridiculous, but this is who you are. (laughs) Come on. Anybody have that in your life? Anybody want that in your life? Come on. Start asking him for it. God, I need that kind of ridiculous, off-the-chart, this-is-bonkers kind of word. I need that in my life. We all need to have that. Why? Because the word tells me that God thought of you before you were born. And it also says that the thoughts that he has about you are more than the sands on the seashore. What? Come on. His thoughts are higher than ours. We know that. His ways are higher than ours. He's thinking so much about us. Ephesians 2.10 says we are his workmanship. The word there in Greek is poema. It's where we get the word poem. You've been written like a story. And it says in Ephesians 2.10 that the, we were created for these good works to walk in before, before we were ever created. He made these things for us to walk in. Come on, that's good news, isn't it? Why don't we start pondering, start asking God, saying, what does this look like inside of me? And not being afraid of it. Not apologizing for it. <coughs> yeah. You don't take something valuable, right? And if it's something that's a value, anybody in here have something valuable to you that's like really precious, beautiful, pretty? I'm not talking about your stock certificates and your bond certificates. I'm talking, not things that you put in your safe, like your birth certificate. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about things that are valuable, but they're so valuable you want to protect them, but at the same time you want to show them. I know Jocelyn has some crystal. Some of it came from her grandmother. It's valuable, but we don't lock it in the safe. We put it in the cabinet that has glass doors on it. That way you can see it. Is this making sense? This is what God does with you and I. Come on. Is that good? This is what he does with you and I. Incredibly valuable, but he doesn't lock us in a safe so that we're completely protected. That crystal that Jocelyn has, we don't put it on our back patio and let all the kids use that when they come over to play in the pool. Right? But at the same time, it's not locked in the safe. We put it in a place where it's visible, but yet protected. It's what God does with us. <laughs> he, think about this for a minute. He makes us visible to all the powers of darkness. Then he hides us in Christ so that nothing can touch us. Amen. Come on, is that a good word right there? He makes us visible to all the powers of darkness around us, yet he takes us and hides us in Christ so that they can see us, but they can't do anything about it. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 says that the manifold wisdom of God is made known by the church to principalities and powers. In other words, all the wisdom of heaven is revealed by how you and I respond to him. Can I paraphrase that? How you and I respond to him. So when we respond to him with what he's putting on us and we're saying, yes, God, I'll take it, even though it may be a bit of a challenge, even though it may be a little bit of a, oh, I don't know what to do with this thing, I'm going to take this thing like Mary and I'm going to ponder it. 
I'm going to ponder it. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to think, what does this really mean? Look here at this, this again. Verse 18. And those who heard it marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Now the shepherds, you know, they hear all this stuff by the angel armies of the Lord. They're coming out. The shepherds head their way to go see Jesus and they're telling everybody about it. So everybody's hearing this miraculous story and it says here that they marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary was different than all the others. This pondering thing. I think there's something to this. I think there's something to this pondering, this meditating, this ability to treasure what God has given us. Something happens when we mull over what God has told us, what he's doing in our life. Something happens when we mull over what God has done in somebody else's life. Hello? How often do we look at what God is doing in somebody else's life and we love it and we're really drawn to it, but we tend to move our thoughts and our emotions into a place of, God, I wish you would do that for me. Instead of really celebrating it with what's happening in the individual, this is what I love to do. I like to see this. I like to see when God starts getting a hold of people and their language changes. Their thoughts about people, their thoughts about life begins to change. I love watching that in people. I, like, I want to get behind them and just say, come on, go, go. Yes, this is so good. Because when I rejoice with them and what God is doing in their life, I know that I'm opening up a way for me to experience even more of it. Is this making sense? Meditating on what God has said. Bye, dear, I love you. (laughs) Meditating on what God has said, regardless if you can make sense of it, listen, will keep you sane, will keep you connected to the now and to your future. Remember what I said earlier. It really should be illegal for us to especially visit our past without recognizing Jesus is right there. Come on, this is a really big deal. All of us have places in our past where we've been hurt, where we've been wounded, where there's been pain, where a lot of things have been done to us. But visiting it without Jesus is not productive. Hello. (laughs) In my time away, I, with Holy Spirit, visited a lot of places inside that were very painful. Very, very painful. Places I had even chosen to deny. You know what I'm talking about. Things that you really wish they would have gone a little bit different. Things that you wish would have gone different, but you know that they were so powerful and impacting in your life, they change the way you think and the way you operate. But we tend to live from that place where we're thinking about those things, and we don't even see Jesus in the middle of them. So... Part of my time away, I spent time with the Holy Spirit doing just that. Saying, okay, I want to see you right in the middle of this absolutely disgusting, painful thing that happened. I want to see you right in the middle of that. I want to know what you're saying. He's the God who's with us. Are you guys still with me this morning? He's the God who's with us. He also says he'll never leave us or forsake us. So when are we going to get it through our heads that he's constantly there? constantly even in the middle of the worst most horrific thing that could have ever happened to you in your life he was right there don't ever think for a minute that we have a god who turns his back on stuff whenever we go through difficult things because he's so holy he can't have anything to do with it are you kidding me 
God became man. He entered into this thing with us. He experienced everything that we've experienced. And when you look at the story of who Jesus is, I don't think we have anything to complain about. But at the same time, we can't live in denial. We have to look at it and say, Jesus, I want to know where you are right in the middle of this. This is a whole other thing, and we'll get into this as we move on into the, into the, you know, the weeks ahead of us. Oh. There's a course of life that God has laid out for us that can only be found by this treasuring and this pondering. It's only, it can only be found by that. By saying, God, I've got the word. I know what it is, but I need to know what your heart is behind this. I need to know what it looks like moment by moment. We're really good at getting words from God and then being amazed and wondered at them. And that's what everybody else did. But Mary was different. She took these things. She treasured them. She pondered them in her heart. Everyone's also saying, wow, this is incredible. This is amazing. And it's as if Mary is saying, yeah, but I, I want to know what this means deep inside. I want to make that connection with you. I want to know what it means to have a connection with the creator of the universe growing inside of me. Not that just that he's there. I want to know what it means that I have that connection with him. What is, this, what is this doing inside of me? How is this changing my life? Psalm 126 is a wonderful passage. I'm going to end with this. <laughs> because I have been telling God, I need to cry more. Is that odd for a guy to say that? Yeah. It is a little bit. It's not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. I need to cry more. I can cry at the word. I cry when I read the word. There are times where I just, I read it and I weep, and it's just the word. I'm reading it, but it just, it moves me. But I don't want to just be moved by that right there. I want to be moved by God inside of people. Come on. I want to be moved when I see God in everyday things in life. Come on. Hear me out. I want to be moved when I watch a movie. A secular movie, ooh. <laughs> Which, by the way, we create that sacred secular split. We create that. That is not a God thing. I want to be moved by that. I hope you're hearing me this morning. I want to be in touch with what's happening. I want to be able to see God in absolutely everything that's happening. I want to be able to see God in the most tragic of situations. This passage, Psalm 126, it's a celebration passage. It says this. It's short. I'll read it to you. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouths were filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord as the streams in the south. And this is what I want to point out. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. I had a friend of mine a number of years ago who was preaching a message, and he was, have you ever had somebody preach a message, and it's like, I don't understand what they're saying, but something about that is hitting me right here. He said, if you live in hope, you live in pain. If you live in hope, you live in pain. Well, that's only true if Jesus is in the middle of it. Because there's a kind of hope that we can have, but it'll be hope for just things to be better. I just want this stuff to go away. I don't want to, I don't want to live in this pain anymore. But the kind of hope 
that is a biblical hope. It has Jesus right at the center of it, and it sees the end from the beginning, but it embraces the pain. You with me? Because if you live in hope, you live in pain. And you, you see the end, and you can see, God, I see you in this thing. I see you in the process of this thing. I don't fully understand it, but I know you're here, and I know you're doing something. And I hold on to the hope. It's painful, but I want to experience it. You know, you can find so much connection with God in the middle of the most tragic, painful thing. You can. As a matter of fact, if we try to run from it and try to get away from it, we miss part of the facet of who God is. And we walk around with a really lopsided understanding of him. Hmm. Yeah. Trying to have hope without Jesus in the middle of it will ultimately lead to depression and suicidal thoughts. Because it's based in something that doesn't have eternity in mind. It doesn't have eternity in view at the end of it. Church, I want us to live with that kind of hope. I want us to be able to take the word of God that has been spoken to us, the things that maybe we haven't even heard yet. Maybe we haven't even taken the time to ask God, God, where's that favor on my life? It's different for all of us. Some have more than others. It's okay. We need to celebrate that. But ask God, where is that favor? What is that your, what have you put on my life where I can see favor and it's your hand in my life? And start to ponder that thing. Start to meditate on it. Start to treasure it. I hope this is connecting with you this morning. I really do. I, 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 I want to see. I don't want us to grow in head knowledge. I'm really tired of that. We are educated as a church. We're educated far beyond our obedience. And I can't live in obedience out of this. I have to live in obedience out of this. I have to live it from what's going on core, inside. <laughs> There's a funny thing about God. I heard Larry Randolph say something like this once. I'm going to end with this. God is required to keep all of his promises because he's true to his word, right? God is required to keep all of his promises, but he's not required to keep your potential. How much of it are you going to let in? How much of it are you really going to ponder? How much are you going to let in to the degree that it begins to change the way you think, and now you become a completely different person, not because you've tried, but because you've meditated on what he said? What is he saying? What is he saying to you? The word says that we just read, God with us. Church, I'm going to challenge you with something, not only as a pastor in your life, but take this as an apostolic admission and a small kick in your John Brown backside. I'm going to make it very practical for a moment, okay? Your televisions will kill you. Your cell phones will kill you. It's ironic they call them smartphones and they dumb down America. Serious. This is part of what God has shown me. You do whatever you want with it. I'm not telling you to start behaving and performing. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm saying I want to challenge you in this season, not just to do what we've heard in churches before, which is, oh, don't forget, let's celebrate the season, keep your mind on him. No, I'm talking about making room for life. He says he's Emmanuel, God with us. I am the life, right? If we don't make room for that and allow it to happen, then we won't really fully experience it. We won't ponder, we won't treasure what's going on inside. 
I know some of you guys have been texting me, even calling me. For the most part, I just don't want to keep my phone on me anymore. It's not because it has anything to do with you. I hope you hear what I'm saying with this. I know what it's like to get sucked into it. I'm just giving you a practical this morning. That's all. Set the phone down. (laughs) Step away from the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Embrace life. Ponder the words of life. Paul, Peter says of him, you alone have the words of life. Okay, so he's speaking. We know that he's always speaking. What is he saying? Start pondering it. Start meditating on it. Everybody stand up here with me. Yeah. Oh, boy. I'm just warning you, church. Things might get a little sticky around here. If we really start living vulnerable... Things might start getting a little sticky around here. I'm okay with that. Where there is no oxen, the stall is clean, but much work comes from the use of an ox. I'm not interested in clean stalls. I'm more interested in life. More interested in transformation. Hold your hands out with me. It's a lot of what we do here. Just have the expectancy. And I'm praying for you right now that number one, Holy Spirit would begin to just right now move through your heart As you're saying, as you said earlier, God, I trust you, because you said it from your heart. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. Even right now, as I'm saying that, I know individuals right now, you're having visions. You're having, your mind is now, all of a sudden, it's going into fear. Because you're starting to recognize things that you don't want to talk about. You're starting to recognize things that you don't want to go there. Right now, just say, God, I'll trust you. God is never going to traumatize you. Hello? He's going to heal you. So as you're opening, you're saying, Holy Spirit, right now, every part of me, I trust you. I trust you. Lord, as much as I know how to trust you, I'm trusting you right now. I help you. I pray you help me in my areas where I don't trust you. Just even holding your hands out. And I'm saying, God, right now, I want you to drop in every heart and mind here a ridiculous word. And I'm asking you all just to expect it. If it doesn't come in the moment right now, just to expect it. God would drop something ridiculous in your heart. And before you start talking about it, ponder it. Ponder it. Ponder it. Yeah, God. And I really feel this even right now. I'm just going to say this, you know this, but I'm going to say it out loud. Fear is not your friend. Fear is not your friend. It will do nothing good for you. Never has, never will. Maybe you should start treating fear like you would treat that friend who is always beating you up and abusing you. Why don't you treat fear like you would treat a friend like that? What would you do? You'd say, no more. I'm not having any more conversations with you. I'm not talking to you anymore. Sorry. I'm not allowing that to happen in my life anymore. You are not allowed in my inner circle. You are on the outer circle now. I love you, but you are not allowed. Does this make sense? 
Treat fear like you would treat a friend who's been abusing you. Because we all look at it like that. We think fear is somehow our friend, and it's not. So, Lord, I'm praying right now you just deposit in every heart the deep things, Lord God, that you have designed for us before the world was ever created, the thoughts that you had for us that are as numerous as the sands of the seashore, the poem that you have written, Lord God, that we're beginning to discover, Lord. I don't want to miss out on any of it. I don't want to miss out on a line or a word or a letter in the poem that you have written about me. I want to embrace it. I want to ponder it. Lord, I want to understand it. I want my entire insides to be turned upside down. My whole understanding of you, of creation, to be turned upside down, to say yes to you, Lord God, and I trust you, and I trust you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.